Welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Each week these idiots pair cocktails with comic books. You can find the cocktails, drinking game rules, and playlists on the blog at funnybooksandfirewater.com. While at funnybooksandfirewater.com, you can also find a drinking game rule to play while you listen to each episode. You can follow us at FirewaterCast on Twitter, and FunnyBooks and Firewater on Facebook and Instagram. This is episode 115, Snagglepuss. This is our last episode, recorded as part of Pride Month in 2018. Fetus, my former roommate, uh, he had come up to school like for freshman orientation or whatever, and he'd been there for like a week. And Fetus, like a lot of closeted gay people, was mm-hmm. totally homophobic and was terrified that he oh, was going to yeah, have a gay course. roommate. Right. It, it, mm-hmm. it was a weird thing. So he was totally, totally terrified that he was going to have a gay roommate. So his roommate was this guy named Christian, um, who referred to himself as K Dog. He was a white dude from Utah, obviously. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, so he comes in, and of course, he's going away to college, so he's living it up. So he has like leopard print sheets, and then he had like a rainbow trout pillow, right? It had on, on it. So, Fetus had gone home to visit his family, and K-Dog, once he dropped off his stuff, he'd gone home to visit his family, and we knew Fetus would be the next one back, so we went to uh, Walmart, and we bought a poster of Justin Timberlake from NSYNC, and we posted it above Christian's bed, so that when Fetus got back, he would think that he was gay. Uh, this was, was the era where Bye 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 was the hit single. Yeah, yeah. it's like Big Bye, <clears throat> Bye 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 was really big at that point in time. So, uh, so Fetus comes in, sees the poster, and freaks the fuck out like loses his <laughs> shit like he is terrified and so finally christian comes in uh later that night and like fetus is just super nervous and he see and christian walks in looks at the poster, goes, what the fuck is that and, like he gets really upset about it <laughs> so this poster ends up traveling around eventually ends up on fetus's wall so then fetus would go home every weekend to stay with his family and visit his cat like he never stayed up on campus every weekend and so every weekend we would go and we put something new on his wall so like we had gotten a picture of like three like Asian businessmen in a sauna, uh, just wearing nothing but towels. And we wrote on it, you can cut the sexual tension with a knife. Um, we posted that on his wall. Uh, we posted a, uh, a picture of, uh, a squirrel with oversized nuts. Um, uh, we put, um, there was a, there's a singer songwriter duo. We found like a, we wouldn't talk to a, a girl who worked at a local record store. And we got a bunch of advertisement stuff and we would like sign them, you know, to like, uh, we signed a Backstreet Boys album cover, like to the best lay in Logan, Utah. Loves and like we looked up online and, and signed all of them because I think Todd could name them all. I could name them all. Um, Probably still can. Like, I don't want to mention yeah. that though. Yeah. So we would post all the shit on his walls all the time, and he just kept leaving it all up. So Fetus eventually he leaves school because his parents basically said, "Well, you either have to sell your Jetta." Or you have to come home and go to school closer to home. And, of course, he was so in love with his Jetta that he wasn't going to do that. So he goes back home. And then, of course, after being so homophobic for so long, he comes out of the closet like five seconds later. Um, and to my knowledge, he's been with the same guy ever since, actually. Uh, so, I mean, they've been a long-term relationship, to my knowledge. But, uh, yeah, we, we fucked with him royally. It was actually pretty fun. I really enjoyed <laughs> the spray bottle you had for him. <laughs> like a cat we had a spray bottle of water yeah, we, we did something bad we'd spray him in the face <laughs> that's amazing yeah such animals that was probably the most broish apartment i ever lived in actually i think my favorite thing is when nancy was in that apartment he would grab cups and fill it with water at night to have a sip but i think it was christian that was putting all the bacon grease in the 
cup each night, then you put it back in the cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> and then Nancy, there was a roommate. His name was Brian, oh but we called him God. Nancy. And There's Nancy would uh, fill up the cup without really thinking and have a drink. And one night he had grabbed the uh, bacon grease cup and just been drinking that at night. Thought nothing Ooh. of it. I, uh, I also found out years later that he would try to take uh, subtle revenge on me by pouring out cups of my uh, minute rice that I had bought. <laughs> like he'd pour it out onto like you know the floor or whatever or into the trash to try and uh, you know fuck with me. And little did he know, I was not cooking any of it anyway, so I never even noticed. Any of no, you just had hamburgers <laughs> with ketchup only and coke. Pretty much, that's what I lived off of in college. I remember. I think it was. That's why I have to go to the gym now. That's right. I remember you going to, <laughs> I think it was Galaxy Diner, and you went to the waitress uh-huh. and he's like, "Bring out two cokes, and every time you come back, bring another coke." Yeah, in fact, I, I having quit my Coca Cola habit, it is a, it's a very hard thing to break now. Like I want Coca Cola all the time. Now it's very sad. Just have a diet coke. No, it's not. No, no, a, it's not the same. B, it's a slippery slope. Like I gotta be a teetotaler on that one because, like, you know, I, I, that's one of those weird addictions where it's like, like, if I was ever the closest thing I've ever been to an alcoholic is probably an addiction to Coca Cola. Like, once I have one, like it's downhill from there. Like I gotta avoid it. And the really bitchy thing Coca Cola does is their diet coke has a lot more caffeine than regular coke does. Oh, does it really? Absolutely. They really, really load it up. So it's like, oh, I'm going to go to Diet Coke and then I'll get off of it. So no, they just jack the caffeine way up. That's so if you go to Diet Coke, you're never leaving because you get such massive headaches from it. Huh. Yeah. I I was aware of that. Yeah. Speaking hey, of massive business headaches. model. <laughs> sure. Uh, speaking of massive headaches, welcome to episode. Oh, I don't remember. I think I wrote down. I think we're like around 114. No, we're 115. Hi, welcome to 115. Um, we are doing, okay, this is a little different for us. Mm-hmm. This is a book that isn't in isn't, trade yet. Isn't finished yet. Yeah, it, it finishes it finish t- tomorrow as we record this. <laughs> as we record this, it comes up tomorrow. However, I need to go out of town for a month. So we're pre-recording these things so I have enough time to edit them to put them out. So, you mean it's not live? Uh, no, uh, this is a pre-recorded medium. If people actually heard how idiotic we sound without me editing them, they would disown all of us. Uh, so, uh, But so anyway, so yeah, so here's the deal. If you would like to read this book, and we'll get to recommendations and if we'll vote and all that stuff later. Uh, If you'd like to read this book, you can either read it individual issues or uh, the trade we believe will be coming out in August. Yeah, I believe it's August. Yes. So this is as like cutting edge and up to date in comics as I think we have ever been on this show. Like we are literally reading single issues. Um, I personally read them all through the Comicsology app online. Um, They're very easy to find that way. Uh, but you can also go to your local comic shop uh, and support them and buy it that way. Or you can wait until August and buy it on trade. It's up to you. Um, and like I said, in a little while, we will get into whether or not we vote that you should read this or not. Um, also, because it finishes up tomorrow, there's going to be six issues in this trade. But we have only read the first five because mm-hmm. what is out. So we don't know how this ends, actually. This is like movie Clue. We're not exactly sure how it ends. You, the listener, have the opportunity to find out for yourself before we actually know. Uh, so, which will be kind of fun. So, uh, we're going to review this on the first five issues. I'm just getting this all up front out there so that, uh, we're not, you know, trying to bullshit you and say that, oh yeah, we've read everything. We think it's amazing. And it finishes barely. We have no fucking clue. The last issue might be fucking awful and, uh, you know, might tank this whole series. Doubt it, but that's a possibility. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That was like, it always crumbled in the last issue. So it it would be very, very strange. Um, but, uh, you know, just on the off chance, I just want to be upfront with y'all. That's the story here. So, y'all, uh, y'all. saying y'all. 
Dude, I lived in North Carolina for three years, and the y'all is the only thing that's stuck, and I use it Honey. all the time. Honey. Yeah. I've lived in North Carolina long enough to actually be in a restaurant where the food was so greasy, someone was uh, taken out on a stretcher from having a heart attack and wanted to get his fries to go. That's how long that I lived in North Carolina. awesome. Oh, my God. It was the Arcadia Grill, man. My friend swore by that shit, and it was disgusting. Um, I didn't live in the South long enough to actually grow a taste for Waffle House. That's just one thing I never really got into. So that's been it. Before. It's a total really? No. It's um, something. It's an acquired it's, taste. I've been to a few Waffle Houses, and you're just like, hmm, it's, this is a thing? It's, hmm. a wa- it's a Waffle House. Imagine a Blander Denny's. Yeah. No, that's Black Bear Diner. I went there. There's Black Bear Diner around here, and my secretary went, huh, a place that makes Denny's seem exciting. Really? I found out today that I actually get employee discounts at Black Bear <laughs> Diner. That's random. It is very random. For somebody I was working with today was looking up the uh, the employee discounts we get, and that was one of them that popped up. He's like, and apparently he likes the place. I've never heard of the place before today. And now it's come up twice in the same day, which is very weird. Huh. No, uh, yeah, take Denny's and give it a rustic feel. You know, with like the uh, like Cracker Barrel, kind of like Cracker Barrel, but Denny's. I feel like I should be insulted when I'm in a Cracker Barrel. I feel like that's a comment on me as a white person. You know, it's um true. And that does Utah still have that Mexican restaurant called Gringos? No, no I don't think so. No. Do you remember that place, Todd? I absolutely remember Gringos. Why would I want to go yeah, to a oh, Mexican wait, joint no, called I, White Guys? I think there is yeah. one still. There was one in Bountiful. I remember that. And there was one I, on Redwood Road near Standard Plumbing. I never ate there because, like, I did not get in. I did not get an appreciation for Mexican food until I lived in Southern California. Well, that's, that's where Mexican like, foods. Well, that's where you should be having it. Yeah, exactly. That's why, like, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, this is amazing. So, like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, speaking of amazing and speaking of coming up twice today, we have Mr. Todd. I came twice today. Must be my <laughs> birthday. Yeah, I only came once. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the night's still young. You never know. <laughs> and so are you. It is pride. pride life. Pride life. There we go. Pride life. And good for you. We actually have the discussion that um, you're not a slut, you're a people person. Yeah. When your number gets high enough, you're back to being a slut again. So, What is that number? Is it like past double into triple, mid doubles? I'll tell you off there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of all the shitty things you've said on this show, you're not going to say that one? 65. Is that your personal number? Or is that just like when you become a slut again? That's when you become a well, yeah. When you when you that's when you become a slut again. So. Dude, you joined okay. the AIARP. <laughs> and I'm sure there's at least three or four I'm forgetting because we're all we're putting it all together. So I'm not sure. Sure. Well, hey, I'm Todd. I'm here in Salt Lake City. <laughs> I've been drinking too much and having a good time with these guys. So I am sitting. He might be number sixty-six. Six. <laughs> sitting next here to my man Maya and Adam, come dumpster himself. <laughs> the come dumpster himself. <laughs> So he's uh, rocking the Jurassic Park. I am. Jurassic Park tank top. Tank top. And it looks good, man. And we, we could be matching. Adam got me one as a present yesterday. I did. It was your recent day present. Jurassic Park is my favorite film of all time. Is it? It is. That was the movie my mother pirate bought a pirate copy of. And she um, had to watch like 10 times for going to see it in the theater. Because she had to like prepare herself. Oh, really? It's scary for Because her? it was scary for her. My mom is so that, cute. Didn't, didn't you have a cop who lived across the street who borrowed that pirated copy from you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this was Utah yeah. in like 1993 or something like that. that. 
I remember you invited me over to watch a video copy of Jurassic Park. I'm like, how the yeah, fuck did you My mom that? had gone to New York and bought a copy of it. Now, this is like back in the VHS days. Oh, yeah. I totally remember this. That was funny. So, I mean, it was and it was totally a copy of a guy that had like a camcorder sitting in the movie theater because of like shit. You could see people get up and leave and, and like go get like ice popcorn or whatever. Oh, so, yeah. I, that's probably a movie I've seen maybe more than Star Wars. See, nothing without the first Star Wars for me. Episode four. So, but just pure number of times watching it, Jurassic Park might be number one just because of that. Because for some reason, I thought I was cool because my mother had bought a pirated copy of it. (laughs) And I watched it a bunch. So, I'll give you it. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool in 1993. True. So, yeah. Salt Lake, God, drinking too much. Hey, guys. Yay! Okay, so now I have to know, Maya, is there any movie you've seen more than Star Wars? Probably Jurassic Park. Okay. <laughs> also, a big fan of the Babysitters Club and Jurassic Park. We have Mr. Maya. Hi guys, I'm Mr. Maya. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Mr. Maya or Instagram at the Mr. Maya. Yell at me. Let's talk comics. It'll be a good time. Yes, Does Jonesy have his own Twitter account? I love you. What's that? Does Jonesy have his own Twitter account? Yes, she does. Oh, sorry. I, I assumed her gender. How uh, and and she, she has an Instagram. I didn't even assume my own cat's gender. Yeah. People ask me if it's a boy or a girl. I said I respect his privacy. Yeah, she does. Uh, and it's she has both Instagram and Twitter. She doesn't use it that often. She's lazy. Oh, okay. But it's at, well. at I am the Jonesy. I am no, the it's Jonesy. Jonesy. At, it's the Jonesy. It's the Jonesy. It's the Jonesy. Okay. It's been a day. It's been a day. Okay, I apologize for that. Um, and then also, who probably has seen Star Wars more times than he's seen Star Wars, we have Mr. Adam. <laughs> that's actually very true. No. Uh, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> I'm not sure how that's true, because that doesn't make... Anyways. Uh, hey, what's up, Adam? I'm the reviews editor for Big Shiny Robot. Also do the uh, Bored as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Hi Andy. Andy. Hey, Andy. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Cinema Queens with our good friend Chris. Hey, Hi, Chris. Chris. And for Pride Month with Cinema Queens, we are taking the whole month to break down the miniseries of Angels in America. So we did our first. Hi, Angels in America. Hi, <laughs> Chino's the man. So the day this comes out actually will be the day that we finish up the whole um, the whole run. So it should be fun. Okay. Yeah, just doing that, cool. and then just recovering from from Pride Weekend because as we record this again, we do it in you know time travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have Pride Weekend up here in Salt Lake, and um, I've never worn a tank top before, and I'm sunburned. So, um, I have mm-hmm. a similar problem. I was in Tahoe last weekend, and uh, I decided that I wanted my arms to be a little less ombre, uh, as I like to call my farmer tan. And so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm in this serious peeling like a motherfucker, itching like crazy. Because you were in Tahoe. I was in Tahoe. You little bitch. Right. It didn't get yeah. like that badly sunburned. It was gonna peel, but it was enough to where like. Obviously, I need to get a base tan going because I've got a farmer's tan like a motherfucker. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, that's that's one of the, the big you things that's keeping me from wearing tape. Fatherfucker. There we go. I like that, actually. I think shirts are a thing. Fatherfucker. I'll make a shirt. Um, and hey, I'm Brian. Um, I hate to admit it, but I've probably seen Crocodile Dundee more times than I've ever seen the first <laughs> really? Star Wars movie. Which Do Crocodile Dundee? The, the, one one. the third one. First what one. about Crocodile Dundee in LA? I don't think I've ever seen that, to be honest with you. It just sounds terrible, doesn't it? I've seen the first one like a lot. Me and my sister used to watch it all the time. I don't know why that was a movie we watched all the time. That, um, we watched Back to the Future a lot. I've probably seen that more than I've seen Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe Ghostbusters. The other one that probably beats it for me is Inner Space. Oh, really? I've seen I that watched that movie up. all the fucking time. Yeah. And I remember seeing the boobies on the inside looking out. And yeah. oh, I heard about that part. Yeah, that was really good. 
I remember my mom forgot about the boobies at the beginning of the airplane movies. That was pretty exciting. Oh yeah, I enjoyed that. Oh, see, yeah, what's funny about that was I had I had not seen that movie unedited in like decades. Yeah, and uh-huh. then they did it for Geeks and Movie Night a couple years ago. When I was watching, like I don't remember there being titties because it was always on TV. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. I also watched Grease a lot growing up, but we had a VHS copy, and they had edited out the um, scene in the classroom song talking about sex. So when I like saw it, and I'm like, I do not know this. What is this thing? <laughs> totally right. Part of the reason why we're recording all these early um, is because I will be in Logan, Utah, designing four shows for the Lyric. Um, I will be doing Sense of Sensibility, followed by Peter and the Starcatchers, followed by... Ray Gardens, followed by Macbeth. So those are the four shows that I'm doing this year. Um, and then uh, I will be returning to California, uh, where Todd will come and visit me. Hooray! Yay! Um, uh, I also, with Todd and his lovely wife, Amy, who's also going to visit us, uh, we do a show called English Class Hooligans, which we're behind this month because life has gotten the better of all of us. Um, I'm taking yeah. main, more, more of the blame for myself, but we're going to record... No, it should be uh, equal, dude. I think we're all about as far into the book right now as you are. Okay. So okay, but our hope is to record an episode soon and try to put it out. It should hopefully, hopefully, there's a new episode out by the time this comes out. Uh, We'll get our shit together. We promise. Um, It's just been it's been a time. I bit off way more than I can chew. That's just flat out what it is. Uh, So um, yeah. So anyway, so what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna start out like we (laughs) normally do um, on votes. So should we think people should read it, and also we should keep in mind. This is only for the first five issues. I highly doubt the last issue is going to change things. But um, what is your vote, Mr. Adam? Yes, 100% yes. Uh, Mr. Maya? Uh, Also 100% yes. Mr. Todd? Yeah. Yes. Okay, that was that was that was the only slightly. Let me me change my vote to yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm also going to vote like. Definitely yes. I love the hell out of this book. Yeah, that's um, great. So, uh, well, so then that makes that easy. Uh, so then, of course, we have to have a drinking game. Uh, sometimes we have these drinking games because the book is terrible, and sometimes we have the drinking games just for fun. And I have to say that uh, some of these drinking game rules, I have a feeling, we're just going to be evil. So, uh, but it's just going to be for fun because we like the book. So, uh, what is your drinking game rule, Mister Todd? Every time you go on it and you realize Snaggle Puss, his name is Puss Like Pussy, and he's gay. Have a drink. <laughs> okay. I know. <laughs> that one's bad, but that's where it is. That's, that's where you thought. That's, that that's like, uh, it's one of those rules that sometimes Adam does where it's like, if you hear this very specific voice in your head reading that one character, <laughs> yeah. take a drink. And like sometimes I'm with them, and sometimes I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but okay. Look at the flowers, Brian. Look at the pretty flowers. <laughs> I know. Thought I'm naming that rule Snaggle Pussy. Snaggle uh, Pussy! <laughs> uh, Mr. Maya, what is your drinking game rule? Uh, my drinking game is called What's Past is Prologue. Basically, anytime there's a flashback to Snaggle Puss and Huckleberry Hound's earlier life before moving to the big city. Awesome. Uh, mine is called Sassy Bitch Foo. Uh, which is my own sort of uh, special sort of kung fu that I wish I had. Every time Snagglepuss cleverly puts someone in their place, take a drink. Um, and Mr. Adam. Uh, so mine's called the Red Scare. So every time they bring up, uh, you know, the escalating tensions between the U.S. and Russia, or about like the uh, the panel for un, you know un-American activities that was like the whole McCarthyism thing back in the fifties, oh. take a drink. 
Make America cool. Great Again. Pretty much, it was basically the, it was their version of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I guess as for forewarnings, um, what I'd like to say is, so this is not completely the Snagglepuss you may have remembered from those Hanna Barbera cartoons. I mean, it is the same character, and Huckleberry Hound is in there as well. Uh, this is in a world where they're sort of accepted amongst human beings, and this takes place in the 1950s. Snagglepuss is essentially a uh, a big time, you know, Broadway writer, a very well respected writer. Um, in New York, he has a, uh, he, he's married, but uh, that's all for show. He has a uh, secret lover. I think he's Cuban. Uh, he Cuban yes. Yeah. Yeah. He has a, a Cuban boyfriend. Um, they hang out at the, uh, the Stonewall Inn, which is a very famous location. Um, he hobnobs with famous literary and film characters as well. And he basically gets brought into uh, a situation where uh, he is being called or uh, called to speak in front of the committee for un-american activities uh so that's that's the basic just setup of what's going to go on here um it is it's fun i really like it it has a fair amount of politics um and we'll get into a little bit more of the depth of that later um but so this is your warning we're going to take a little bit of a break mm-hmm. and then at which point in time uh when you come back from it we're going to spoil the living shit yes. out of it. so uh-huh. yeah <laughs> yes uh, Fuck off. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, we'll let you uh, take a little break, and we'll be back in a moment. While we take a break, here is a message from one of our fellow Hello Sweetie Network podcasts. Hey there, are you queer or some variation of it? Well, I'm Chris, and this is my co-host, Adam. And welcome to Cinema Queens, where we talk about queer cinema. Each week, we watch beloved queer classics, discuss them, review them, and cover a whole cluster of topics from our favorite scenes, what they mean to us, how it relates to our current world, and the best part, the cherry on top of the sundae happens to be... Gay Rants! So prepare your ear holes! Hey, listen to us queens talk cinema. New episodes drop every Monday on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Bye bye Hey, so uh, welcome back. So this is the game plan. Um, we're going to try to do a really, really brief summary because, frankly, the long summaries of these even bore ourselves. So uh, basically, and t- Adam's going to jump in. Everyone else can jump in if I say something wrong. Uh, help guide me through here. So basically, we, uh, we start out with, uh, you know, Snagglepuss, as I said before. He's a big Broadway writer. His play is that's been running for a very long time is about to close. He's about to open a new play. Um, throughout the entire course of this book, actually, I'll just say, uh, there's a thing where you keep running into people that Snagglepuss has helped out, like that they have been on their last legs or they have, you know, been about to be kicked out of business or they're having something like he actually is like in this book in general, he's a pretty good dude. He always seems to kind of help people out where he deems it necessary. He also has a tendency to put uh, condescending pieces of shit in their place pretty quickly, which is also very fun. Sure. Um, so the so, year it's set in is what, like 1953, 54? Yeah, something like that. At a certain point in time, you run into... It was right when the, uh, the Rosenberg trial happened. Right, so, so it's the McCarthy era going yeah, on. Yeah. So we've got that going on, and also you've got the blacklisting of um, playwrights and, um, yeah, and writers, writers and, and people who are in Hollywood. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, so this is set during that era. Is there anyone in specific, do you think, is like the greater inspiration for Sma- Snagglepuss as a fill-in? I, I kind of... I think Jim Cody or Arthur Miller. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, Arthur Miller's in it, though. Arthur Miller appears. Did he? Well, you've got a Marilyn Monroe-type yeah. character. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, because it's Marilyn. No, it is Marilyn uh-huh. Monroe. Because so we'll get into this okay. right now. So Marilyn Monroe um, is uh, oh, Joe DiMaggio. Duh, of right. course, yeah. it was him. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. the ex-husband. So, so Duh, I'm stupid. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So she's Sometimes. married Joe DiMaggio, or she's dating Joe DiMaggio. She is having an affair with Arthur Miller, who talks about writing The Crucible, mm-hmm. which was a parable for um, the blacklisting and the Red Scare and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Anyway, so yeah, it's very obviously Arthur Miller. Um, it, I think I'm pretty sure they say it call, at least calls him Arthur as well. So at, at that certain point in time, I mean, and, and this kind of ties in Snagglepuss, you know, being the helpful guy, he shows up, you know, gay as the day is long and is, you know, has Joe DiMaggio see her. Cause all Joe knows is that, um, his girl has been running around town with a, uh, an author of some kind. Yeah. I don't so, know right. so yeah. this is kind of like Bojack Horseman during the Red Scare. A little bit. Yeah. This takes place in 1953, by the way. Yeah. 53. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so basically what ends up happening is, is that Snagglepuss goes and hangs out with, uh, like takes, uh, Marilyn Monroe home. So Joe DiMaggio is like, Oh, she's hanging out with a gay guy. Okay. I got nothing to worry about. You know what I mean? Like, and he gets, he gets to calm down a little bit. Um, but so yeah, so after the play, I mean, you learn that, uh, Snagglepuss has a wife. Unfortunately, we don't remember her name off the top of her head. Uh, she doesn't seem to play a major, just call her. Yeah. She, she plays a bigger role in like towards the end of the fifth issue, uh, or maybe mid of the fifth issue. Um, but so he drops her off at home, says, you know, the fine performance, she is well aware that, you know, that he is gay and, you know, the relationship is not necessarily physically romantic, we should say. They have a certain amount of romance to them that they get into later. And then he goes off to, you know, the Stonewall, which is a very famous uh, bar. Uh, basically, they're bribing all the cops to leave them alone. Which is the, is the birthplace of the gay rights movement. So Exactly, yeah. Stonewall Inn is a very famous uh, movement, uh, like location for the gay rights movement. So that, that's a very pivotal piece. Uh, and it will come into play later in this book. Uh, so moving forward, uh, there's a lot of little side issues of Huckleberry Han- or of, uh, of Snagglepuss trying to get this play up and running. Runs into a bunch of problems. Not necessarily totally important with the plot, uh, but what we ends up happening is uh, Huckleberry Hound comes to town. He uh, was found out to be gay by his wife. She kicked him out. She's divorced him. He's taken everything. He's been wandering around, uh, basically, you know, drunk and uh, having a hard time. He comes to New York. He ends up falling in love with one of the cops that visits the um, uh, the Stonewall Inn, and they start having a relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. So, who's also a dude? Well, yeah, we'll call him Mr. Horse. Mr. Horse. No, it's yeah. quick, quick, quick Draw McGraw. Was it? Yeah. Oh. oh okay. So he's oh, is it really? Horse. Yeah. No, they, he he said his name. Yes. Yeah, quick, Quick Draw McGraw. Oh. Okay. Oh. I didn't catch that. So well, there you go. Huckleberry good. Hound's dating a guy hung like a horse, or is a horse? Good for, good for Huckleberry Hound. Right? A horse. A horse. Of course. <laughs> right. Um, no one can fuck like a horse. Of, of course. course. <laughs> that is a horse, unless the horse is a famous So. Thank God. That's going on our quote list. Um, so, uh, okay, so moving forward. Can we, can we get a uh, drop of that? <laughs> yes, I can make that happen. Um, so uh, I can, I'll make it a ringtone for you, Adam. Hey, so my, my, my text tone is still ignore her, she drinks. So <laughs> Nice. Um, so uh, basically, I get, I'm trying to jump forward into it. There is a whole other subplot going on that's going to eventually build up. Of uh, They are trying to get um, writers to say that the entertainment industry is uh, distorting the minds of the Americans. And uh, they're basically, it's all the Red Scare. They're having all these different trials and whatnot. They've called Huckleberry Hound in once before. He really didn't cooperate. They're going to try to blackmail him again. Their way they're going to do it is they're going to try to catch him in the Stonewall uh, in which they think he's going to be there. He is supposed to meet Huckleberry Hound um, mm-hmm. in 
What he ends up doing instead is on his wife's request, he ends up taking his boyfriend to have dinner with his wife so that she can get to know him, um, you know, and they can uh, basically his wife can have a better understanding of who he is as an actual person, you know, is basically what she was asking for. The unfortunate problem is, is that leaves Huckleberry Hound at the Stonewall Inn being the most famous person there when it gets busted. And basically he's splashed all over the newspapers. They, uh, the people in Washington say that they're going to blackmail uh, Snagopus. And you know, basically destroy Huckleberry Hound's life, and that he can save them by uh, uh, by working with them. By well, naming the, names, yeah, yeah, by naming names and whatnot, which he's probably not going to do anyway. But he might do for his friend Huckleberry Hound because he'll do anything for him. It's a lot of flashbacks of them getting along as kids and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Huckleberry Hound, the night before the it's not trial, but the uh, testif- right before Snagglepuss is supposed to testify, uh, he ends up committing suicide. So now Snagglepuss has nothing but the truth. Um, so he has sent divorce papers to his wife so that she is not going to be inundated with anything that he has done um his boyfriend is on his way to cuba which is not going to be safer than this situation but i guess it's better that he gets out of america in general um and so snagglepuss really has no fucks to give and he starts his uh uh he basically starts telling him where to stick it but uh, we don't get all the way through that that's where the book ends and we forgot to mention the fact that the the lady who's in charge of all these studies of these uh testimonies and everything else she goes home and she actually is a lesbian Yes, she's, the one yeah, she's got out. her own girlfriend. She's our own girlfriend. Yes. So, yes, that's true. So, there's a certain amount of hypocrisy there as well. But uh, we've never yeah. seen that in reality, though, have we? Never <laughs> hypocrisy, <laughs> traitor. There is no hypocrisy. She must visit the bathrooms in the Minnesota airport. <laughs> what? I don't even know what that means. There was, an, there right. was an Idaho's uh, senator, I believe, or a congressman who was very, very anti-gay and was caught trying to give blowjobs in a bathroom. Yeah, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. time. Yeah, but then the more anti-gay a senator is, the more likely they are gay. Someone like doth that. protest too much. A lady exactly. doth protest too much. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, okay. So one of the things I want to start out on um, is I feel like, in the same way, and they make a reference to Arthur Miller and the Crucible about him writing about the crucible, you know, as a basically writing the crucible and the witch trials as a reference to the, uh, the witch trials that were the, the red scare and the McCarthy hearings. I yeah. kind of feel like some of this story is actually written as a response to our current political climate. Um, and I was going to see if anybody else agreed or saw that same things that I did in it, or is that just something that I'm seeing? Uh, no, I definitely see that. I mean, this is, uh, you know, our, our, our current political climate is one from being one that was very open and accepting of the LGBT community. With the previous administration. Yeah. Yes. Uh, with, with the previous administration, too. What we have now where, I mean, you know, every single year Obama would always be like, hey, it's Pride Month. He would light up the White House with rainbow lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trump won't even pretend. He's like, oh, it's National like Ocean Month or some bullshit. Like that. <laughs> like, hearing 15 things that it was. And so that, that's what the whole, like, the log cabin Republicans confuse me because... I don't think you can be a Republican or be a gay Republican and support Trump because he's terribly our rights. He's his attorney general is saying yes, we should be able to discriminate against gay people with uh, Jeffrey Beauregard sessions. <clears throat> Heaven forbid, with a name like that, you'd be like tolerant of other people. Um, he's trying to make it so that openly transgender people cannot serve in the military. Sounds uh, like a slave owner to me. He is. If it was 200 years ago, he would be a slave owner. Yeah. Fuck that asshole. 200 years ago? <laughs> 150. Um, but no, no so I'm, I'm thinking like just last week, really. Yeah, I think sure. just, you know, he might have some in the basement. He might. Mm-hmm. He, he loves black people. He owns five of them. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, it very much is. We're, we're back to the point where we've got people who feel like they can be emboldened and empowered to say and do horrible things about the LGBT community because we've got a power structure in place right now 
that really doesn't give a shit and honestly would like to see us all be murdered. So yeah. uh, I think it is kind of a, a much a very big political statement about what's going on right now. And uh, it goes. It, it was funny on, on Cinema Queens. We were asking the question about with Pride coming up. Is this more of a party or a protest? And when we had Obama there, we were mm-hmm. like, we're getting our rights back. We were like getting the ability to marry and everything else. Yeah. And there was much more of a party atmosphere. And it still is a big party. So if you're, by all means, please, if your pride's coming up, go have fun. Go have a blast. Go get laid. Do whatever you want. But it's almost more important nowadays that it is needs to be a protest. It needs to be, fuck you. We're here. We're queer. used to it. Act up. Everything we had back in the 80s and 90s when we had to actually fight harder for our rights we're still doing that now. It just it's it's being more genteel in the way they're going to chip away at our rights and everything going on. So, well, it's interesting. Even um, as we're recording this, they were talking about the bakery and the Supreme Court mm-hmm. issue, where the uh, there was a bakery in Colorado that sells wedding cakes, and they says, "Oh, you're a gay couple having a reception for being married in Massachusetts, but you're in Colorado. We won't sell to you." A complaint was filed. This says, oh, you're discriminating against us because of who I chose to marry. And you're like, well, it's our religious rights. And the Supreme Court came down very narrowly and said, well, there's some fuzziness there. Yeah. So, so the, the, the ruling came down. It was, a, it was an eight. Uh, it was a seven, seven two, two ruling. Two. So you had Ginsburg, and Ginsburg, Sotomayor, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. were dissenting. And the way it came down was that they and it, it pissed off everyone. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, the religious right was looking for and said, yes, it's legal for us to discriminate against gay people. People on the LGBT side wanted to be like, no, you can't do this at all. And the technicality that came down on was the state treated them poorly. Like, they right. were biased in that. So we're going to rule on that part of it, but we're not going to rule on whether it should be legal to discriminate or not against people. Right. They just ruled that the state, you could have handled this better. Yeah, so go, go fucking do it again. Try it again. So, And there's a whole lineup of cases coming. But I guess bringing up that point and everything else, it is as much as so marriage is legal for gay couples and everything now, but it's still the battle's not done. Well, even in Texas too, like I went to to the Texas Supreme Court saying that um, Texas sued saying just because gay marriage is legal, um, the state should not have to provide the same um, benefits to same sex couples that it does um, opposite gender couples because they don't believe it exists. So in Texas right now, and let's go, and I'm sure it's going up to the U S Supreme court, right? They got it's approved by the Texas Supreme court that if two guys get married, one of them is employed by the state, they don't have to give them health insurance. They don't have to give them life insurance. They don't have to treat them like any way at all, like a married couple. So they're married as a law, but they don't get the benefits of it. It's like, that's the whole fucking point of marriage equality. God damn it. So I can go off on a soapbox for 20 <laughs> years on this bullshit because I am a feisty faggot. So let's let, let's, let's pass it on to Maya. He hasn't really said All much right, yet. Maya, what's up? Okay, Maya, I, I got a question <laughs> yeah, for yeah. you. So uh, there's an interesting statement on a different statement that I liked about this book uh, that Snagglepuss makes. And uh, he starts kind of talking about the importance of actually having entertainment in people's lives um, and their ability to... Uh, you know, escape from their life and maybe process things in a different way. But like the, the, the entertainment for entertainment's sake was a very, very important thing. I was going to get your thoughts on that. Oh, uh, you know, I, I agree with him, but at the same time, like, uh, entertainment, it's a distraction. Books, yeah, books, can be, sure. books, books, movies, video games, theater. It's all a distraction from, you know, the real world, which mm-hmm. is nice. And a lot of people need that. Uh, at the same time, people can also use it to get away with stuff. 
say, hey, mm-hmm. look over here, and then they fuck you over there. But yeah, no, I I, I fully do agree that uh, with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess I think the point he's making is that uh, that it, it's it's a way that, you know, it, it, it both, it's both things. It can be a distraction, but also it's like, um, I mean, I think we've all had pieces of art that I think were more profound than just a distraction and provided, you know, a context and a thought process and maybe helped shape the way you view or process a certain thing as well. Oh, um, what was it he said? Like, uh, theater makes actors, but television makes... He said television, television makes you a star. Makes you a star. And then theater makes you an actor. No, it was, uh, it was about the dimensions of the performance. It was that uh, television was a two-dimensional performance, whereas... Uh, live theater is... Yeah. Basically, live theater was a fully formed experience, which... At that time, yes, I would agree with that. But I think that um, I think you could argue now that it's you know film makes two dimensional characters, but television makes three dimensional or multiple dimensional characters because there's more time to explore it and you know those the stories written there. I mean, that was just at a time where the the big hardcore writers weren't necessarily going to Hollywood like that. Felt like a downgrade or. Um, you know, like if they're going to make a strong artistic statement that had to be on the stage still, you know, and like you still sometimes get that in hoity toity schools, but that sort of mentality is kind of lost a little bit. I mean, there was, I, even when I was in, in school going to the theater, like there was sort of this sense that if you were doing theater, you know, you were doing real art, but if you were doing something that you made money on, you weren't a real artist, which were, I don't think is entirely You true. were selling out just because you were making. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I'll be 100% honest. This is coming from a person. I fucking sold out. I sold out big Dude, time. Like, so, according to SLC Punk, you bought in. I was, gonna yeah. say, I was just about to say, did you sell out or did yeah. you buy in? You bought in. I really feel like I sold out because I feel like to sell out, you have to sell part of your soul. I think I completely did that. So I think I'm a sellout. Uh, you know, I'm 10 years in now. What am I going to do at this point in time? I'm almost 11 years in. I know. You're, you're such a young boy. Uh, shut the fuck Dude, up. Yeah. You know, one day in this next de- decade, you might even get a gray pube. That'll be depressing <laughs> as fuck. I actually just had a conversation that happened about to you that. Gray pubes? Yeah. So I'm starting to have it travel down south. It's like. Flying south for the winter. Flying south for the winter. I've got like a gray chest hair or two now. And oh, it's I got like, a bunch. So right it's happening, but the day I get a gray pube, it's like just for men, huh? That might be for me. No, so, so we went, the, the pool opened finally. So it was Yay. me, me, Eddie, uh, Clark, and our friend Casey went to the pool, and we're sitting there, and uh, Thomas, some random, was like, yeah, I, was like, I, was like, I don't really mind the great Chester, but when I got my first great pube, that's when I kind of like, oh my god, like, I want to get to muscle bear status before I get to daddy status. <laughs> sure. So, but yeah, we literally were just talking about it, and Casey was like, cracking up over here, because he's listening to us record, and he's like, we were just talking about that! <laughs> Gray pubes have. I'm rocking the dad bod, waiting on a gray pube, and I'm just like, yes, life, it comes, whether you like it or not. Is muscle bear what I think it is? It's just a, it's a, a furry dude who's muscly. Yes! That's what I thought. So that's the best I, can, well, I can hope for. That's my <laughs> ideal state. I'm more like, yes, I don't think you'll ever be a bear, to be honest with you. I'm dude. hairy enough for a bear. You're a bear. Dude, I is look like a, a white I yeti. He's big enough. I feel like he was always kind of an otter because he's kind of skinny. He always has been kind of skinny. Well, I'm not scrawny as I once was. I've got 90 pounds on me. I know. I, yeah, but still, I, I, I don't know. I, I love Adam, I guess you're the, the person. call me scrawny boy because I was this little twig. And the moment she got a boyfriend that looked just like me, she stopped. But I always found it flattering yeah. that she had a boyfriend that looked like me. Uh, that's true. But Adam, you would be the judge. Is, is Todd a bear or is he an otter? Yes, he's a bear. Really? I'm sorry. Hey, I'll take that. 
I get to tell my wife that tonight. Yes! I called you Barry anyway. I know, but I got confirmed. Wow, there you go. And you got your honorary pink card. You had a big pride month, Todd. Dude, it's a good time. I successfully subbed in on Cinema Queens and got approval from that. So I was rather proud of that. Yeah. Man, you're you're making headway in the gay community. Congratulations. I know. So, when you come out to sure. Utah, or not Utah, California, I'll take you to Hamburger Mary's. I have no I idea what that Hamburger is. Mary's. It's a hamburger place run by drag queens. Yeah. Oh, is that really? That, that sounds awesome. Yeah. It's, that actually, sounds amazing. Would, uh, it's not very far away from where we, I got married, Todd. Like, it's, it's up the How street. come I've never been to this place? I want to go to that. I've never been to this place either, but I think I'm going to take you now. I went to the one in Hillcrest. I've been the one up by you. We're so. totally doing that. Okay. That's on the list, dude. Okay, I'll put it on the list. All right. So, Adam, Snagglepuss. Will you, will you go dressed up like Snagglepuss? <laughs> uh, yes. That gets to my drink. What is your that drink? It's a Snagglepuss. Uh, so, you get a uh, shaker with ice. You add 1.5 ounces of gin, four dashes of grenadine, one egg white. You shake the shit out of it, and you uh, strain it into a cocktail. You've box. got a flip. A flip. Yeah, uh, it's got egg white. It's called a flip. Oh, is it? Really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's Snagglepuss. Yep, nice. Uh, nice and frothy. That's awesome. Just like Adam. Sure is. Nice and frothy, just like Adam. I want a T-shirt that says that. Nice and frothy, just like Adam. Yes. <laughs> oh my. If we, if we get Adam a uh, many both hands died for our sins shirt, I want a nice and frothy, just like Adam shirt. That's. I, think I, want. I would totally wear that shirt. <laughs> Nice and frothy. Just like Adam. Okay. Just like Adam. Um, okay, well, so I'm going to... There's a roundabout way I got to this cocktail. Uh, yes. So, so I was looking for a cocktail like uh, based on the Crucible. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they, they talk about Arthur Miller, and there's sort of this parale- parallel between um, Arthur Miller's Crucible and the story of Snagglepuss and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. I found a, a website of a bar that had themed all their cocktails towards the play of the crucible that was performing at a local theater at that point in time. That sounds so depressing. Uh, yeah. So there was a bunch of them. So that's great, but this one seemed to fit kind of both. So this is called a proper lawyer. It is two ounces of, uh, of rye whiskey, a light quarter of an ounce of Luxardo, a heavy quarter of an ounce of blended scotch, uh, five dashes of scrappy Russell's reserve bitters. Uh, you stir it up, and you flame an orange zest and then discard the orange zest. And that's, uh, what do you got? All right. What's Luxardo for the stupid, uh, as I'm speaking to myself? It's a cherry-flavored liqueur, if I remember correctly. All right. Am I cherry right about that? Liqueur. Can someone confirm this? What, what is it called again? Luxardo. Luxardo. Uh, it's cherry, yes. Hey, see? All right. I know some I shit. I like cherry. You go. You, you do, go, you. girl. I know some shit. Thank you. Yes. I'm kind of proud of that. Did I do that off the top of my head? I'm... That's nice. I'm, I'm busting my buttons right now. So, <laughs> Todd, do you have a cocktail for us? I do. Um, I was trying to come up with the name of the show, but, you know, I was thinking about it. As, so you've got the Stonewall. It was a gay bar. Mm-hmm. And it's in New York City. And I'm like, you know, the quintessential New York drink for a bunch of chicks all hanging out would be the Cosmo from Sex and the City. Mm-hmm. So what's the peen version of this? <laughs> <laughs> And the peen version of this has to be the sea breeze. So, Hi. right, especially if you're Huckleberry Hound is like, I want something that's a bit more sophisticated here in the city. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this thing's delightful. It's the sea breeze. So, it's one and a half ounces of vodka, three ounces of cranberry juice, and one and a half ounces of grapefruit juice. You add all the ingredients into a highball high glass with high ice, highball, highball, and then you uh, stir it with a swizzle stick. 
And then you sip it that way, and you've got the Sea Breeze Cocktail. Nice. And, and that's what I envision Huckleberry Hound sipping with his pinky up. Pinky's up makes it fancy, that's for sure. Or pinky's in. <laughs> Two in the stink. Well, there's always that as well. Uh, Mr. Maya, I am assuming you have a, uh, a drinking game. Or not drinking game, a cocktail. Sorry. I do. Yes. Uh, mine is a huckleberry lemonade. Nice. Uh, the ingredients are two ounces of huckleberry flavored vodka, four ounces of actual huckleberry lemonade, two ounces of uh, limoncello, which is uh, like a Italian lemon liqueur. That will fuck you up. That's <laughs> awesome. A uh, I was at a wedding where they gave that away as a, as a going away prize. It was nice. <laughs> a uh, half teaspoon of huckleberry jam, lemon... Uh, Time and a lemon twist. Uh, what you're going to do is in a cocktail shaker, combine the vodka, the lemonade, and the limoncello over ice and shake it to cool. Uh, add the huckleberry jam to a highball glass with ice. Strain the cocktail over the fresh ice and swirl with a spoon to mix. And then garnish with the lemon twist and thyme. So you've got jam, like, just kind of floating about. With, with, with the ice, yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, you know Nice. Actually, one of the interesting things, so, like, I took a... A cocktail class up in Tahoe last weekend, actually. And one of the things yeah. that they... We yeah. get it. You went to <laughs> Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, That's one of the events I have. Uh, so, uh, but one of the things that the guy had mentioned was, uh, like, basically using jams or taking... His, his overall gist of it was, take a classic cocktail that you can make really well and then start kind of experimenting on it. And one of the things that he likes to do is start using preserves or jams and, like, shaking them up in cocktails and whatnot to try to make, you know, other stuff. So not completely unheard of, like, but I, I haven't run across it too often. But, yeah, I can imagine it being pretty damn good, actually. Yeah, because you've got that sweet, chunky jam sitting in there with the alcohol and all of that, and so you get a bit of that going through, and you're like, oh, this is a nice little tasty treat. That'd yeah, no, I, think be, I think it'd be great, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So That sounds cool. really good, Maya. I would totally jam yeah. that. <laughs> And that's why we can't have nice things. Um, that's so, uh, oh, is that why? Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. That's good. Uh, he'll just pardon himself next month. That's probably true. But he has nothing to pardon himself for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he'll just do it, and he'll just kind of do a blanket pardon for like yeah. whatever I do. I'm okay, yeah. but nothing's wrong. But I'll take the pardon. True. However, criminal pardon I don't think necessarily excuses you from uh, civil proceedings. Well, so, what's interesting about no, a pardon no, as we're going into it, though, if you're uh-huh. pardoned, you've got to be somewhat clear. And once you've been pardoned, the Fifth Amendment no longer applies and you can be compelled. So you've got to be careful with the pardon because then you can be compelled by the courts to talk about uh-huh. what you've been pardoned for. Uh-huh. So you've got to be a little bit careful there. And that would be interesting to watch. And he's not known for being careful. Dude, I would an interview with Trump by Mueller would be the greatest thing ever because he's going <laughs> to eat through his lawyers to even have that because he just cannot not lie. That's true. And that would be amazing. Very true. Uh, cool. Well, speaking of amazing, does anybody else have anything they want to discuss about this book? So, yes, um, a few things going through here. I think the art is great. Yeah. Talking about that going through. It's written by Mark Russell. He wrote the uh, condensed version of the Bible titled God is Disappointed in You. And <laughs> it's really good. Too. I like it regularly, at least. So. It's really good. I have suggested that in the past. And what he's done is he's taken out the flowery speech 
and all the other stuff and just really distilled each portion of the Bible and the books down to what it's actually talking about. And there's a few drawings here or there. But he's watching this. Um, Hanna-Barbera is, of course, the property owner of Snagglepuss, and, but it's an imprint within DC. So Detective Comics is putting out this book through Hanna-Barbera about um, the plight to the McCarthy era. Uh, the plight of what's going on today is a bit of a mirror. So, you know, Marvel has gotten some flack and a lot of credit for um, inclusion of diversity. But I don't think DC is getting enough props in this um, side and going, hey, there is someone where they have put out this character that is absolutely openly gay. And then the um, shitstorm he's being put through because of yeah. it. And even with all of the um, self-righteous discrimination, of you've got the person against American, you know, unbecoming American attitudes, and she is a closet lesbian and everything else here. So you've got... DC putting out a book that is um, quite the statement against what's currently going on. Now, so, real quick, because you yeah. brought that back up again. Yeah. Uh, now, we haven't read the final issue. I'm, I have not read the final issue. We have I just will the be first getting line. it on Wednesday. Sure. I want to see how it ends. Uh, I'll probably be buying it on Wednesday as well, because I want to read it as well. Do you think that that'll get brought up, or do you think that was just to show us <laughs> that she's basically a hypocrite? I don't think it's going to be brought up at all. I think Snagglepuss is going to get in the courtroom. I mean, he's just... The last issue is in the courtroom and whatnot. As it's going through, unfortunately, I do not think it's going to end well for Snagglepuss. I think he is going to have a pyrrhic victory. And though he is right, he is still going to be blacklisted. And Well, at this point, other than his career, he really has nothing left to lose. So well, he will we, lose we, his career. Because we didn't even bring that up, uh, Huckleberry. Mm-hmm. Huckleberry hung himself. Yeah, yeah. he hung himself. He, he and was, he actually was, if you... if you. Um, oh, shit, Eddie hasn't read it yet. Oh. Sorry. I love you, Eddie. Oh, Sorry we're, talk, we're talking spoilers. <laughs> um, what I got at actually was, uh, aside from Brian, was that when all this was happening, like, and he was like... For me, it was like he was going to go and play ball, and they even said like he was going to be a, a positive witness yeah. for them because they were going to drop everything with Huckleberry to make sure that nothing yeah, happened. He, to he him. was going to bite the bullet for Huckleberry, right? And, right. So, and then when Huckleberry yeah. killed himself, that's when they're like, "Oh shit!" He's like, "No, fuck you all." And the, well, they, and they didn't even you. know. They didn't even know. No. So I don't think they're going to bring the fact that she is a lesbian and has a, has a no. female partner, but I think it was showing that you know because almost what, she reminded me a lot of Roy Cohn. So Roy Combe was uh, a lawyer back then who worked with McCarthy, mm-hmm. and he was really deeply involved with like the Ro- the Rosenberg trial, which is mm-hmm. in here. Uh, he was also the un-American uh, House un-American activities. Exactly, yeah he, yeah, he did all that stuff, and he was like hanging out homosexuals and outing people. Well, at the same time, he was fucking dudes nonstop in New York. He was known for doing that. And what's kind of funny is how this ties in with Cinema Queens is Roy Cohn is one of the main characters in. Angels in America, and in, in real life, and as it deals with in the miniseries, was he did actually die of AIDS, age-related complications. Yeah. Sure. Um, so for AIDS. me, that was AIDS. 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 Everyone AIDS. AIDS. has AIDS. 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 Uh, so for me, that almost seems more like because as ruthless and horrible as she is, she's almost like the female Roy Cohn in the story, yeah. uh, where she did have lovers on the side who were the same gender. I wouldn't and, be surprised if that's who she was based off of. 
I, me either. Because she obviously is a very horrible person. Like she, she goes to that school and like she's mm-hmm. trying to teach them about like you know what's happening with the U.S. and everything else. So, so if I was to make a prediction for a book that has yet to be released and I haven't read, is you're gonna have Snagglepuss that's gonna go all the way out. He's gonna get blacklisted. Yep. He's going to try to you know I'm gonna release this. I am going to at least make Huckleberry Hound's death something that we can build off of or something and i bet they'll even seal his deposition so instead of having it come out and like embarrassed they just will stop it cold mm-hmm. so it'll be a little bit of the end of the mccarthy thing like mccarthy's sanction of what occurred and whatnot but it will not come up so his biggest victory will be the um they'll stop looking quite so hard but they're talking about the um office of un-american activities as this was during the red scare and you had the, the Red Scare on the communist side. I mean, they were killing homosexuals and everything that were, and people that were not of the preferred method. I mean, there was a lot of genocide going on. Stalin killed more people than Hitler ever did, but since he was an ally, I did um, quote fingers. So for people that are listening, because no one can actually watch. <laughs> and he yeah, killed everyone, but you're, you're watching this here. So it was un-American activities for doing the very things that the communists were killing for and watching this. So in some ways having this pluralism is the most American thing possible, but people are terrified to embrace pluralism. And this just goes to, so it works in small groups and people that understands though you guys might have a different viewpoint on a few things. So, so Huckleberry Hound, you like dudes, and as does Snagglepuss and the wife of Snagglepuss, I mean, it's very much a business relationship. She would like to better know him, but there wasn't a sexual relationship going on. And it's tragic for everybody because they can't openly just be. Yeah. And the fact that they can't be is probably the most un-American thing that there is. Because you look at it, and the greatest thing about America is we are known as the melting pot where everyone can come here, we can do the general assimilation, and everyone brings in their own flavor. So by adding your own flavor, you assimilate, and we all kind of mix together, and what it means to be American is bringing who we are to a mixed group and saying everything here is welcome. Yep. Everything is welcome. Please come. You are all welcome. And when you have people says, you know, you're welcome if you look like me. It's probably the most un-American thing and the you're idea. You're welcome if you're white and straight. You know, that, that that's an aspect of it. Don't forget and rich, rich and a landowner rich. and a dude. Right? And as you look at this, the original sin of America really was the... Um, slavery and the allowance for it. One of the worst kind of jokes I ever heard is what do you call five black people having an orgy? And it's a threesome because of the three fist rule. Yeah. And it is terrible and it is awful. And we can acknowledge our past and it was steps forward. And even now I think Snagglepuss here is looking at bits of our past to look at present day and how can we continue to move steps forward. This is probably my favorite book out of all of them we've done for Pride Month. 
this is my favorite one we've done. And I really enjoyed Fogtown. I got a kick out of Iceman. Oh yeah, this one actually was like, for me this was like the love is love one from mm-hmm. last year because this is actually making a point and this is showing what needs to be. This in. is making mm-hmm. a point right now and it's fantastic and I want to keep reading and you're just reading these characters and they've gone through the personification using these Hanna-Barbera characters as people. So it's Snagglepuss. It's a cat and the cat is gay and Huckleberry Hound is gay and they're just trying to make their way and they're trying to find their tribe of going, I can't be who I am where I was. So I'm coming to New York to be who I am and be accepted. And which playing off of that, I think it's funny that they're using these characters to tell that story because this is a society where these different animal people live with regular humans and that's not questioned at all. None whatsoever. However, I do have an interesting question about that. One more thought. In the theater, the humans are dressing up like the animals. Does that feel like a form of blackface to anybody else? No, because... So, if the writer wouldn't have been Snagglepuss, then yes, they wouldn't say that could be blackface, but because we've got the writer of this play, obviously... And like the, the very last play he writes is a story of him and Huckleberry Hound. And he was the one that cast the play. And he, he cast the, the play, yeah. So, so he's he, he's casting these people to be these roles. So for me, it didn't feel like blackface at all. It just felt like, okay, so we live in a world... A costume. Yeah, it's a costume. We live in a world where we have talking animals that... Um, obviously, bestiality doesn't matter because they're having the same sex and opposite sex relationships with humans. Sure. Um, no, but he cast it, he wrote it, uh, and it was just it was part of Broad. was like, hey, this is, a, this is a play I'm in. In this role, I'm a human. Next time, I might be a dog. So it might be like my thing is though is there's probably cat actors out there looking for a job, and they would be perfect for this role. This is the dream role of a lifetime. But yet, this role goes to a human actor taking our job. Dude, that's like the British actor can't have an American accent. American. I'm not talking about British. That's that's just a change of accent. I'm talking about like a blind character um, that's not blind. You know, potentially yes, or someone who is in a wheel, like actually giving someone in a wheelchair uh, an actual chance to play. So, what is your opinion on that? Then, actually, I I do find this a little bit interesting. Can a uh, actor act in doing something that they're inherently not? I think that they can, depending on what the role is. I think that you know, I mean, I currently work on a show that is colorblind casted. You know what I mean? Like there are. Uh, it's a known story, and there are characters. Uh, I mean, because of the way the cast moves around, there, are, you know, you can have, you know, all sorts of different ethnicities sure. perform, perform different roles. I think that's a proper way of doing it. I've also uh-huh. worked with a very talented uh, singer and actress in a wheelchair, and she had a fairly successful role in um, a film that came out a few years ago. It did okay at Sundance. There, there's like a little bit of Oscar buzz around it, but never really went. Um, it's called The Sessions. I don't know if Adam ever saw that or not. Um, what was it again? The Sessions. I don't think so, no. Okay. Um, it was about a sex therapist. Um, but uh, anyway, so like, so I think that there, I, I just, I feel like there are opportunities out there for actors with different skill sets and abilities that I feel like should be taken into consideration. The same way I don't feel like um, an actor should be cast, like if a character is not specifically written as a male or a female or as a, you know, a white person or a black person or whatever, like if, if that doesn't have anything to do with the actual uh-huh. plot of the story, so kind of like, like Hamilton, how they have purposely you know changed I mean? all of that up. Yeah, completely. Because, well, that was a choice. But that Absolutely. was actually a deliberate choice. That was a, that was, that was a choice to make mm-hmm. America then look like America now. 
you know, outside of Utah, because when I go to Utah, I'm shocked I have a lot of people there. But like, it's more like what sure. I'm used to, you know, where I live in California, you know. Um, but that was, that was a deliberate choice. And that's fine, because that's also making a statement. I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I mean, like, they've, they've done, like, um, they've done what they call the photo negative um, Othello, where it was an all black cast and one white guy playing Othello, um, who happened to be Sir Patrick Stewart. Um, I mean, there's things like that that they're actually making a deliberate point with doing that. I'm fine with that as well. But, like, if, if if your race or ethnicity has nothing to do with the plot sure. and you're the best actor for the job, I think you should get the job, you know? Um, like, I, that's just sort of my opinion. Like, because also, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, that's sort of my general opinion cause just because I know a lot of different talented actors, you know, who are looking for work. It just, it felt like that putting on that makeup to portray, portray a different species felt like blackface to me. That's, I mean, for me, that's different than just changing your accent because your accent is about where you're from, not who you are. You know what I mean? Or not, you're about your, it's not necessarily always about your ethnicity. And I mean, but when some people, I mean, we've seen it before in films where people do uh, accents or whatever that is highly racist. I mean, uh, you have, uh, <laughs> that's exactly what yeah. I'm thinking of. You know what I mean? Like, Breakfast at Tiffany's is a huge point. You <laughs> know what I mean? Um, I was going to say Charlie Chan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was more thinking yeah, Kevin Costner those. and Robin Hood Principles. <laughs> No, <laughs> what? The, that's just no, bad no, no, acting. That's a different big, story entirely. The bigger crime in that movie is uh, was it Christian Slater? Yes, Red Scarlet. Yes, oh, or Will, I don't think Will it was Scarlet. that bad. Will Scarlet is. I think I think the ever changing accent was more it's like more seven painful. accents like, that cost her. Slater Slater just was like I'm an American. Deal with it. Like it's that's like, just I'm, he's I'm Mr. Robot. Also, for the record, that movie is awful, but I absolutely love it. I love that. <laughs> I loved it. I haven't watched it as an adult, but I loved it as a kid. Oh, I, I watched it once as an adult because yeah. I bought when it got released on DVD. You know, with the first like whole tri quad yeah. fold of everything. And yeah, it's oh, the yeah. Brian Adams music video. <laughs> and yeah. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> and I watched this, and I'm I was playing like, piano in the forest. Uh, I will say. Who Framed Roger Rabbit totally holds up. Oh, really? That's Absolutely you know. holds up. <coughs> Prince of Thieves, a Netflix little bit less so. Prince of Thieves does not hold yeah. up. <laughs> you know what surprisingly holds up? The cartoon from Nickelodeon, Doug. Yeah. yeah. I was watching that recently. That completely okay. holds up. I'm, I was kind of surprised. But yeah, I guess um, back to Snagglepuss again. It is. Um, this is a book saying something. And it doesn't happen to have characters that are gay, but it is the persecution of characters of who they are. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it is, it continues to need to be told because of the treatment that even happens today. And though we like to pretend we're making progress, and progress is being made, we're not anywhere near yet. But we take, again, we, we, we wouldn't hold. Two steps forward, one step back with this current administration. So that's true. Mm-hmm. And I need to give props for a very public. I mean, this is a property owned by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers is putting this product out, and it's fantastic. So good for them. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and the other thing I like about it is that it's a known character. It's not like some secondary character that nobody yeah, knows. Yeah, it's, it's you know Snagglepuss. I mean? I mean, it's great. All my memories of Snagglepuss is when they were doing the big racing TV cartoon shows. Oh, yeah. That's all I really know yeah. him from. Like, I, I, I knew him from like old school, like cartoons and yeah. Well, and you and you bring up them, you know, having these diverse books. They've not not to. I admittedly, I'm kind of biased, but they've been doing 
the diversity in comics long before Marvel did. They were just quiet about it and didn't mm-hmm. be like, hey, look, we have brown characters and we have openly gay characters. They just kind of did it. Sure. Batwoman was really great for a while until they got scared and backed away a little bit. So. Yeah. All right. All right, so we got the final grades? Yeah. Oh, okay, so for our writer, who I don't have in front of me, so I apologize. but we'll- Mark Russell. Mark Russell, okay. Uh, Mark Russell... Now I'm thinking Bloodhound Gang. Uh, Todd, what is your grade for Mark Russell? Dude, it's an A minus. Okay. I have so thoroughly enjoyed this. I've read five parts out of the six. The six hasn't been released yet, and I am chomping at the bit just to see how he's going to wrap this all up. Even though it may not be a hundred percent necessary on how it ends, I want to see how it ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am excited for this, and my heart goes out. It leaves me pissed off. And heartbroken and wanting more. So A minus for Mark Russell. And I remember last week when we were bef- when we were off mic, uh-huh. you had said you had read read them already and you're like the sixth issue would be nice, but you honestly don't need the sixth issue. Yeah, that's my and, that's and, and after, my opinion. And after reading it, I'm like, oh wow, yeah, no, he's right. <laughs> so yeah. So he's done an incredible job here. So yeah, like, A minus. To me the sixth issue seems like it'll be more like an epilogue than yeah, like I think we got our ending here, mm-hmm. and then the next issue is just going to be like. The and see, I don't think so. I think actually, I think we're going to get our ending in the next issue. I think you're going to do that. You're I think this is stabbing like the, all the survivors. <clears throat> no, this is like the like you know, so like the penultimate episode of a Game of Thrones thing, where it's yeah. like you got your big huge thing that hey, fuck you. But I think there's going to be a huge fallout next one. So I don't, I don't see I'm a Todd. I don't see ending well for our hero. So okay, cool. yeah, A minus for Mark Russell. Way to go, man. Uh, Mr. Maya, what is your grade? Uh, I'm right there with Todd. I'm at an A minus. This book is extremely well written, extremely relevant, and will make you feel all sorts of feelings from good to bad and everything in between. Awesome. Uh, Mr. Adam. Uh, I, actually, I'm at an A. I think this was one of the best written comics we've read in a long time. Uh, it, it brought it, again, it took place in the 50s, but still bringing up points of things that are happening today. There's tie ins to. The, the current political climate and how people are still being treated and while it was still a period piece and was really interesting to see like how things were back then, you know, the, the time Stonewall with McCarthyism, everything else. Uh, it was, it's up there with one of my favorite books of all time. I'm actually kind of sad. It's going to end after next issue because I really think it would, it, there's more of a story to tell. So they, and they could always do a sequel. They could, but I, 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 I think they do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to sit with Adam, actually. I'm going to call it an A. I, I think this is some really great writing. I think this is a fun book. Um, I think it's an uh, important book. I think it's, I mean, I, it's really one of those weird books to describe to people because you're sitting there like, okay, you know Snagglepuss from, like, Hanna-Barbera cartoons, The Pink Cat? Yeah, so imagine it's Truman Capote. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like it's, it's a hard book to sell to people, but it's really good, you know? See, and I was reading it, I was thinking a bit more Snagglepuss is a bit of a Tennessee Williams yeah. and well, yeah, um, Huckleberry yeah. Hound is a Capote. Okay, but even any, either know, way, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. yeah, either way, those still kind of work. Um, yes, okay, it cool. does. Uh, so that's everybody for uh, writer uh, for our artist Todd. Do you know who that is? Nope, I don't know who that is. Okay, uh, I did, but I just handed Eddie the book, so it's it's Mike. So hang 
Look at that. So like what's great people. with this art here is it is so recognizable as Snagglepuss and Huckleberry Hound and Quick Draw McGraw is you know exactly who these characters are. And it's like, though they may have the same name, but they have been reimagined all the way to the point that I don't know. You look at Snagglepuss and like, yep, that's Snagglepuss. Yep, that's Huckleberry Hound. Yep, that's Quick Draw McGraw. Right, and they might have a fancy suit and a bit of a pashmina, but that's uh, exactly Mike, them. Mike Feehan. Feehan? Mike Feehan. Okay, uh, well then, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Meyer, what is your grade for uh, uh, our artist? I'm also going to stick with an A on this. Uh, I thought it was well-drawn... Yeah, no, it it was the perfect art style for the story, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it an A. Well, uh, Mr. My uh, Adam, Hi, Mr. My, <clears throat> I'm gonna go with an A as well. I mean, the the art's interesting. It's fun. It's very. Uh, it captures the look and feel of that time, mm-hmm. especially with you know with the, the theater de- district of New York, and it's it's really well done. I loved it. And so. it it makes it believable that animal people. Are people are people, mm-hmm. and that it would you know it, it, you think it'd be weird seeing like Snagglepuss kiss a guy, but like it's it's it works. It just it's yeah. It's the same way we talked about um, you know, Captain came out and said that Lando's is pansexual in the Star Wars universe. It makes sense that in this universe where I mean you have to think talking animals have probably been there all the whole time, so yeah. it's not weird that you yeah. have you know these creatures there that you know it wouldn't be like all of a sudden like oh they started talking animals fuck them like no it's just they've. It's a different species, but it's been there forever. So here's this world we built, and the art does a great job of bringing that across and making it seem like this is a world that actually does exist. Okay, so uh, Mr. Todd, what is your grade? You know, I'm going to give this an A. As I was just commenting a little bit ago, the um, art is it's distinctly and instantly recognizable as Hanna Barbera. It is absolutely the 1950s. It sucks you into the time. You know exactly who they are. They're paying full reverence and acknowledgement of where these characters came from, but everything services the story so well. So, I mean, it's an absolute harmony of what's going on here, and it's one of those rare occasions you're like, I don't know how it would be any better than what's being drawn right now. So the um, author and the artist have, are just hitting it on all cylinders. So I'm going to give the art an A. Um, and I am also going to give it an A um, for all the great reasons that have been said before. I don't really have a whole lot to add to it. I, it was fun and it was great. And I really liked it. Uh, so for total overall grade for the entire book, uh, we will go with Mr. Todd. It's an A. So I want to read more. I'm going to be sad it's over. I'm going to be pissed off when it's done and wishing I could have another serving. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Mr. Maya. Uh, I'm also at an A. Uh, for I don't think there's really much more I can say that hasn't already been said. Uh, Mr. Adam? Uh, I'm in an A. I, I love this. This is fantastic. I can't wait until uh, tomorrow when I can go out and get the final issue of this book, find out what happens, where it goes. And I want to see more of this character. Like, if you would have told me, again, a year ago, hey, Snyder is going to be uh, a gay uh, theater writer, playwright, playwright yeah. in 1950s New York, and you're going to fall in love with this thing. I mean, like, uh, I mean, the exit stage left dude from, like, <laughs> the cartoons? Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But no, it's, it's really well done. It's fantastic. Uh, this is up there is probably one of the best books I've ever read with you guys. So I'm really happy. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to go with an A as well. I, I agree. It's it's been super fun, and it, it, uh, although it's a hard book to sell other people on, it's it's great. It's a really good read. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't read already, and we've already spoiled it for you, I think it's still worth the read because there's a lot of details that you know you may well uh, clean out of it, and it's still just a fun read. I mean, I'm pretty interested in going back and maybe rereading it myself anyway um i'll definitely buy the trade when it eventually comes out as well so i'll probably buy this whole thing twice um 
Cool. Uh, and actually, I think, uh, so that's probably a really good point to uh, end our Pride Month on. I think we ended on a high note yeah. with that one. Pride Month, month. Um, Electric Boogaloo. Electric there Boogaloo. Glad yeah. uh, we decided to do that last instead of America. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's all going to be started. That would have been a bummer. Uh, I'm so, sassy. <laughs> I am taking that as a drop. I'm going to have Todd saying I'm sassy. It's going to be awesome. Fucking hell. Uh, future Brian. <laughs> future Brian. Uh, well, so let's jump into, does anybody have any recommendations? Uh, yeah, well, I'll jump in. Uh, stay on the if you like this stay on the Hanna-Barbera DC bandwagon they've been doing a bunch of other stuff they kind of reimagined uh, Scooby-Doo with like a post-apocalyptic uh, basically I'm, I'm, I'm a ways behind but the, like Scooby and the gang are the only humans left and this virus gets released in the world and turns everyone into monsters they've done uh, Future Quest which is like has like Johnny Quest and Birdman and Attorney at law. Uh, no, before he was an attorney. Oh, <laughs> and Space Ghost and uh, yeah, talk yeah. Uh, and then also the Flintstones, which is by the same writer. Yeah, Mark Russell. Mark Russell, uh, and it deals with a lot of social commentary in that book. So, Ooh. and just check out all the Hanna Barbera DC stuff. They have anything from the Jetsons. They yet? do have a Jetsons series. Uh, I haven't read it, but. Okay. Uh, they just finished, I think, is a six-issue series. They also did um, a DC meets the uh, Hanna Barbera. That was actually the, they did that before they did uh, DC meets the Looney Tunes. Where you had like Suicide so, uh, Squad and the Banana Splits, and <laughs> yeah. but they also just as we record this last week. So as you hear this about a month ago, did a second wave of those with like Aquaman and Jabberjaw, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Speed Buggy and The Flash, and there are a couple others, but... Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I have the first trade of them. I haven't read it yet, but uh, it's on my pile of stuff to read. Um, Mr. Adam, do you have a recommendation? Uh, no, I'm good right now. There's a, there's a game I'm working on. Uh, once I get further into it, I'll recommend it, but for right now, I can't okay. put my stamp on it. Uh, Mr. Todd? You know, I can go back. I brought it up earlier. Uh, Mark Russell also wrote, God is disappointed in you. So if you want to read the Bible about the nuts and, bulba- nuts and bolts of what the Bible really says and how awesomely terrible it is, and it's great. It's called God is Disappointed in You. It even includes the lovely little um, bookmark built into the book, you know, just like a classic Bible so you can save your space. <laughs> and nice. It's true, I have it. I, see, I, I, I need to read it still. So. Dude, it is. You, you read it and you're like, is this what shit? awesome awful amazingness our society is influenced by so mark russell you're the man uh and i'm going to recommend um a little bit more of a heavier book uh it's called secret path um it's by jeff lemire and a uh, canadian uh singer songwriter named uh gordy board dowdy i think i mean sure that sounds right why not does that sound uh basically what what ended up happening is is that um he wrote uh, that the singer wrote a um, yeah Gord Downey sorry Gord Downey um, he wrote uh, the album and then uh, Jeff Lemire wrote uh, did illustrated a, a graphic novel to tie into the album it's about the size of like a record so if you uh, collect vintage records like a hipster uh, you can put it on that shelf I stumbled on this entirely um, uh, apparently I've heard from other interviews like it's actually top as a uh, um, like almost a, a textbook in Canada. 
Uh, it's sort of like their version of uh, the book Mouse, if you've ever read that or aware of what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is about... So how to be depressed? Here's the thing. It's, <laughs> it's depressing, but it's, it's so beautifully done that I actually... Like, it really stuck with me. Um, the thing I love about um, Jeff Lemire is he has this ability to really get to the emotions and the feels and something. And this, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've always... I've always loved his writing. Um, I have argued with some people who don't necessarily like his um, art. Uh, this is some of the best examples of his art. This is the most fleshed out artwork that he's ever done. Um, and he only has one line of dialogue in the entire thing. The rest of it's just, um, it'll have the lyrics to a song and then he's telling the rest of the story visually. Um, and there is no words, no, you know, anything else, but it's, uh, it's pretty powerful. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because like, I kind of went into a blind. I didn't even read the back of the book. I just read it blind and then read the back of the book with the details on it. And I felt that that was a very powerful experience. So I'm trying not to ruin it for anyone. I just recommend going and reading it. Um, it is a, it's a very powerful book, but uh, yeah, just read it. And then in my opinion, read the back of the book to find out the details. Cause there's certain things that are, are said on the back of the book, like where they describe the book that if you learn that after the fact, it almost is a little bit more heartbreaking than if you learn it while reading it uh, or if you know beforehand. I don't know. I've tried either way, but uh, I think it's a spectacular piece of comic art and uh, uh, I highly recommend it. And it's also by like my current, well, yeah, probably my favorite writer and artist right now. So um, that'll do it for this week and uh, finish off our Pride Month. Uh, yes. Anybody else have any final words? Nope. Nope. Cool, cool. Oh, we're good. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we will uh, see you next week for We Three. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us. Please rate us on whatever service you listen on. And remember, at least we're not cinema queens. <laughs> <laughs>